the volume. Oral Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. FanDuel is the best. They're America's number one sportsbook. It's so easy to use, safe and secure. What more do you need to hear here? There's fast payouts too, as quick as two hours. What a turnaround. And there's so many different bet types as well. as same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures. There's risk-free bets and the same game parlay bets, enhanced odds markets. There's so much more. It's fantastic. It will not let you down. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9889 in Tennessee. Or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Welcome to the sessions. I have my baby on my lap right now. So, you know, if she starts to squeal or speak up a little bit, this is just what it looks like when you are a mom with a six-month-old baby and you're trying to do shit from home. You know, that's just how it is. She was not with me for the interview, so don't worry. Just for the intro and the outro. God, she's so cute. Um, I am joined on this episode by the one, the only, Gail Kim, fellow Torontonian. Uh, we got into all things uh, Toronto, her, uh, her love of food in Toronto. Her love of food in general, of course, being married to uh, Robert Irvine, getting all that food and a majority of the conversation. We were just talking wrestling, just a couple ladies gabbing about some wrestling. Gail and I have never met before. Obviously, we've you know been able to interact on social media. We've got lots of common friends. It's weird before you like interview someone and you don't know them, but you kind of know them. You're not really sure how it's going to go or like what the rapport is going to be like. But this was everything that I thought that it was going to be. Just, yeah, some gals hanging out. Chat in the wrestling biz. She's been able to do so much. I mean, you guys all know Gail's uh, amazing resume from her time in WWE to TNA to everything she's doing at Impact and now stepping behind the scenes, working as a producer with Impact. Um, so, we, yeah, we just talk, you know, a lot of things Impact, of course, uh, you know, just her stepping into that role, um, what the Impact women's locker room looks like, maybe some of the women she would like to see make their move over to there. Now that there happens to be a couple more free agents out there in the waters. Uh, but let's get into it. Here we go. This is it. Here's Gail Kim. Oh my gosh. Here we are on Zoom. This is like this is like quintessential 2021, like actually being able to meet people for the first time through Zoom. That's the great thing about social media, I would say. The pluses is that you feel like you know people. I just did a signing over the weekend, and there's a couple of people. Um, ODB brought her boyfriend and everyone, everyone that met him was saying, Oh, I feel like I know you through Instagram. It's so weird. It's funny. Yeah. I was thinking that when we were like getting ready to do this, I'm like, I feel like, I I feel like I know you because we have so many mutual friends. You're Canadian. So that instantly makes that great connection. So anyways, lovely to be able to finally meet you via zoom. 
via the sessions. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Have you been busy as hell? What's going on in your world? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So obviously I'm a very impact wrestling girl. I think everyone kind of knows that in the wrestling world. And I've been very loyal person in general, I would say, you know, in terms of everything overall. And now I work in the office and I hate being labeled office. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that term so much. I hate it. I'm very fortunate to be able to be in the business that I love so much as a woman. I mean, let's talk real, you know, and where I feel like I can be me as a woman and myself and be able to be a leader and, you know, just do what I love. And I don't know, everyone knows how passionate I am. And I'm just, I feel grateful every day for all my blessings in every part of my life. How was it for you switching into that producer role? How did that kind of come about? What were those conversations with impact? I always talk about the fact that, you know, Jeff Jarrett back in 2007, when there was no women's wrestling really being put on any type of platform, gave us that opportunity. And since then, I think, you know, he's always believed in me. And once you start becoming a leader in the locker room, I think the girls, they started coming to me and asking me, you know, my feedback and all those things. And eventually it's just like, I knew I wanted to continue on in this business. I loved putting matches together. That's what I feel like I'm really good at. And so I just asked Jeff, I said, um, do you mind, you know, I want to become a producer. Oh, sorry. My drink just popped. I'm a producer. And he was like, yeah, okay. And I, I said, okay, can I please just shadow one of the producers that are, is there now? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so the first time I was a producer, he threw me on a live pay-per-view. Oh my God. Of course. Classic. Here you go. I guess there's no shadowing going on. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fun. And, but you know what, you know, as well as most people do, you learn the fastest when you're thrown into things and maybe you might not do the best job, but I'm okay with making mistakes if I'm learning right along the way. What kind of things did you, have you been learning along the way? I mean, what was that like jumping into, what was the match that you produced? Oh, I don't even remember (laughs) now. Honestly, it all kind of blends together. I'm brutal with that. When I have to go back and look up different wrestling things, like like my husband or like so many different dudes, I feel, I don't know if this is like a, a male versus female thing, but like, I don't remember shit. I don't remember dates. I don't remember buildings. I don't remember anything like that. Where like my husband will rattle stuff off. He's like my own Wikipedia. It's nuts. I think there's certain people in the business who are just really good at that. And then I'll ask them, I'm like, hey, do you know, remember when did I debut? And when was (laughs) this? And I'll ask fans sometimes, but I just kind of got thrown into it and I don't remember the match. And honestly, I just felt like even though I knew wrestling, but really starting from the beginning again. And I always talk about the fact that even in wrestling as a talent, it was always this battle of trying to prove that we were good enough, trying to prove that the women could hold their own or draw or whatever it may be. And then as a producer, it just started all over again. I I don't think it ever really ended. It was kind of, it's always a constant battle. It's crazy how it's like that. It's true. I mean, obviously like my perspective is different from what your perspective is for me, like coming in and hosting shows and doing interviews and just understanding the wrestling business from that perspective. Then I jump on commentary and it's like, oh my God, now I've got to think about it in so many different ways of like, how do you talk about something during a heat spot? How do you talk about something during these moments? Like 
all of those things that I just, my brain didn't work like that. I had to try to like train my brain to think in a different way. It's crazy. And you had people come in in your ear too, I'm sure. Oh my God. Yeah. My head was like spinning. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? What am I doing? It's, it's nuts. I would never want to do commentary. Bless you guys. I <laughs> all the respect in the world because I just think it would be a very hard job. It is a very hard job. Actually, like, is my, so like, yes, I, I did it. I didn't love it. But what I will say is I thought Beth Phoenix was so good at it. I thought she crushed on NXT. So definitely a little bit sad to see her step away from the mic at NXT because I, I mean, really what is Beth fe- not good at. <laughs> what is Beth not good at? Honestly. Great leader, great wrestler, great cook, great mom, great. She does it all. She's like knitting blankets for everybody and like writing, puts out a fucking album. Like what? Who is this woman? And her and I started off in the business together. It was her. Well, it was me and Tracy and then Beth joined. And so us three were kind of married on the indies for a long time. So I always tell this story about how it was like Tracy who got her tryout first. And then me and Beth came in and had the tryout and all three of us had it. I got signed. Tracy went to TNA and then Beth went on that path of going to OVW and never stopping, never quitting and getting that job. And now she's look at her hall of fame, everything she's ever wanted to accomplish. But I knew she always had that in her. She definitely has that drive. She is like one of those people that is like hall of famer done it all, but you can see she's always a student. She is like always learning, always trying. Like I see her like writing down notes and stuff. Like she's, she's got her finger on the pulse. Uh, But what I find really cool too, about you and Beth, you guys both have pretty interesting Molly Holly stories. Molly Holly really helped both of you guys get in the business, right? I would say back then it seemed more cutthroat in the sense of there weren't as many wrestling companies around. Uh, It was harder to get a job. You didn't get hired at that time if you didn't have any wrestling experience. And so at that time, it was very rare to find someone just a great human being, you know, who was like, saw other girls and wanted to genuinely help them out. In hindsight, now looking back, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I got to meet her, that I was in the right place at the right time, and that I got to develop a friendship with her and that I got to work with her. I mean, I was the woman I watched and I was like, oh my God, she's amazing. And she turned into my hero pretty much. Why I became obsessed with the women's division back then. I was like, Molly just moves like so naturally and graceful. And that's my love in wrestling is the wrestling part. And Molly had like encouraged you to like send in some tapes or something. What is the story there? Jason Sensation, who used to be part of WWF way back in the day. Some people might know him, but he did these impersonations. And so he was in the developmental in Memphis. So he knew Molly from there. So we were at a fan access at Mania. My wrestling school had a table. Beth and I were at this table handing out flyers for the wrestling show. Uh, We were going to the Divas magazine. Back then there was these Diva magazines where they sold fabulously. They should go back to doing that, by the way. (laughs) Get those fancy photo shoots. They're tiring, but they're fun and they're a bonding experience, which was amazing. And then so I was going through and I'm like, oh my God, look at Molly. I just love her. <laughs> like a huge mark. And then <laughs> Jason's like, oh, I know her. Do you want me to call her right now? And I said, oh my God, really? So he calls her up. The matches were going on at Fan Access. She goes, okay, I'll meet you at the, there's matches going on. I'll meet you there. I'm going to be in disguise. And she put on a wig. And everything. No. <laughs> and then she came over and met me and she was super nice. Everything you would ever want in a first meeting with someone you, you know, that was like your hero. And then right away, she just said, 
oh, you have a very unique look. Uh, we don't have anyone that looks like you. Uh, they didn't have any Asian women back then. And she's like, give me your, back then it was VHS. <laughs> give me your video and your pictures and I'll send it in. And at that time, WCW was being bought by WWF. And she said, just hang on a little bit because there's a lot of stuff going on. And then I got a phone call like two months later, got a tryout and I got signed that day. I just had a very lucky day, <laughs> like a perfect tryout match. I was put with Nydia and we just had amazing chemistry. It was, it was amazing. Well, bless her sweet little heart. I mean, Molly Holly, just getting you in there, getting Beth in there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I really think, and like, not that I know, but like you hear the stories from then of like, it was more cutthroat. People might not have been so open to maybe extending that olive branch to try to bring in some hot new young competition. It happens all the time, at least in Impact. If a girl tries out, we had that a couple of times where they're just like, we want her in our locker room and we want her to be part of this division. And I mean, we never heard that back then. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, there's right? a new girl coming in to take maybe your place. Right. So now I think it's different. Of course, everybody wants to be used and have their spot, but I guess in our company too, as well, they don't feel as threatened to lose their spot. I think. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely a lot more places to land and people can have a little bit more longevity. It's not just 30 second matches on TV anymore. Thank God. Um, let's rewind a quick moment. Tell me about these diva photo shoots for the magazine. Where did you guys go? What did you do? Because yeah, I remember hearing about them and really sad that I missed the boat on some of those. I think WWE, you shouldn't do those again. I think every company should do them. So we would take the vacation alone. Oh my gosh. So we divide, I would say, I think it was two groups or three groups, depending on the amount of girls. And then each girl had their own makeup and hair team too. So they'd have, Oh, this is like Victoria's secret shit. The years I did it, we did it in Mexico two years in a row, but the fans just love them. They just love them. And And I think because women are seen as very empowered now and strong and athletes, maybe they don't want to sexualize them, but we felt beautiful. And as long as you're in your comfort zone, just be you and do your version of sexy. Totally. Like opt in or opt out. If it's something that that you don't want to do, you're uncomfortable with, fine. But like, I don't think there's anything wrong. Yeah. With wanting to feel sexy and wanting to put yourself out there like that, even in the way that like ESPN does their body issue, like, oh my God. WWE should be doing something like that. I mean, you look at these specimens and these beautiful bodies, like let's get these on, uh, on, uh, some film. Let's do this. Like I said, it was a bonding experience for us every time we went. And of course you're shooting from sunrise to sunset, but you get those little in-between moments of, you know, being able to take your lunch break and go sunbathe and be with the girls and have a drink. And it's always going to be a strong memory for me. Oh, that sounds so nice. God, as I'm like looking out the window, it's like bleak and cold here. I'm like, okay, going to Mexico and slapping on a bikini sounds like a great time right now. With big fights every week, there's never been a better time to give FanDuel Sportsbook a shot and join the action on FanDuel Fight Nights. Because right now, you can place your first bet risk-free. That's right. You're going to get up to 1000 bucks back if you don't win. FanDuel gives you so many bets to choose from. There's parlays, round props, method of victory bets, and so much more. FanDuel is the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's incredibly easy to use. It's such a no-brainer. Plus, it's safe and secure and real quick. 
fast payouts. You get that money right back in your pocket ASAP. One of my favorite features. You got to stay rich, you know, keep that money in your bank account. This app is so easy to use that when you win, you actually get paid in as little as two hours. So with FanDuel in your corner, you'll always get exclusive odds boosts, great promotions, and so much more to make your FanDuel fight night even more exciting. That is why they are America's number one sports book. So sign up with the promo code Renee to bet risk-free up to $1,000 on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. That is promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. TN Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Tell me about uh, the Impact Women's Division. What is it about their division that you are so drawn to and so proud to be a part of? Obviously, I'm very invested because when I joined this company, there was no women's division. And they they did draw me towards the division saying we would like to have a women's division one day. We just don't have the time for it, but that's what we're looking to. And I said, okay, great. And so I waited and waited. And it was like a year and a half. And everyone knows kind of the story in terms of the battle to make it happen. And um, I think some people don't know that I did try to resign. (laughs) Once I got fired up, I was like, okay, I've been waiting a year and a half. And it was very hard for me to manage and watch all the guys doing what I loved while I was ringside. I knew what my talent was in the business and that's just wrestling, right? I wasn't like the promos or anything like that. So it's like, I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my time. I don't know how much longer I can wait. But when I did try to resign, that's when things started to happen. And then a couple of months later, they just brought in 10 women and a title. And it just kind of, you know what? I think the true key to the success was that they brought in all these women, but they didn't overthink it. They just kind of did everything very basic, the proper way, I think, for storytelling. And they almost left it alone in a sense. And that's what made it so great. And that all these women were passionate about wrestling and really wanted to prove themselves. Like I'm saying, right. It's a constant, we got to be as good as the guys. We got to prove that we can be on TV and do this as well. And they just ran with it and they've never stopped since then. So I'm really happy that they haven't. And through all the management changes that we've had throughout all the years, that's one thing that they haven't stopped. Thank God. And I'm, I'm so happy about that. And now it truly is a cornerstone of our company. You know, one of the things that people recognize. What was the conversation when you tried to resign? It was the biggest pay-per-view of the year and they had laid us all out and they said, okay, you're not coming to the biggest pay-per-view of the year. Plus I wasn't wrestling. I was like, oh gosh, what the hell's happening? Okay. I'm useless here. You know, in my mind back then, you gotta, just gotta remember some immaturity back then, of course, too. And so I sent in a fax. I'm showing my age, VHS. This is amazing. A fax to the hotel that they were staying at. Oh my 
God. The story I was told was that at the time, Bob Ryder, rest in peace, Bob Ryder, picked up the fax and gave it to Terry Taylor because Terry and Scott, I think, were in management at that time. And Terry or Scott, one of them tore it up. And then they called me and they're like, that's a breach of, you know, you can't, you can't just quit and resign. You're under contract. I don't think anyone knows this story, to be honest. It became like, I'm like, well, I want to wrestle and uh, this. And they're like, well, you can't quit. You know, you're in a contract. But after that, they brought in one woman at a time just to test the waters. And then we did prove ourselves one match at a time. And then they brought in the, the division. So sometimes I'm like, okay, did I act like a brat? But then sometimes I'm like, well, if I didn't fight that hard, it wouldn't have happened. It's always so funny how things like that happen. Like I'm like a big believer in sort of like the universe having your back in a way of like, yeah, if they had just let you resign and then all of a sudden you weren't able to be a part of that, you would have been like furious to be like, wait, I've been here this whole time. And now there's all these women here. Um, I, I had a somewhat similar thing happen to me at WWE. I had asked for my release probably four years ago and they were just like, no, thank you. You're going to keep working here. And I was like, what? You can do that? What the fuck? And it threw me for such a loop because they're like, no, there's things that we still want to do with you. And there's things that we want you here for. And at the time, I just didn't understand it because I was hanging around. I was doing backstage interviews. I was, you know, hosting kickoff shows and all that. But, you know, kind of same thing. I was like, I feel like I'm not doing the thing I should be doing. I should be doing more. And if I had have left at that time, I would not have been able to do commentary. I would have not have been able to do, I wouldn't have been able to do the show with Fox. There's so many different things that I would, would not have been able to do. So I'm happy that, uh, that they interfered at that time. Probably because you asked for your release though. Maybe. They're aware of unhappiness or being stale or whatever the but Like eagerness too of like, I want to do stuff. I'm not happy just being complacent and sitting back here and like- Complacent, that's the complacent. word. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Catering's great and all. I love me some catering, but I don't want to sit back here all day. I got shit to do. I want to do yes. some things. Um, For the women's division and impact, you guys are sitting pretty. Everything is looking great, but there's a lot of new names that are out there. Who would you like to see join the impact roster? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just want girls who, of course, are talented and passionate and all those things, but it's important to have a good locker room. It's so important for the girls to support each other and know you know, work for the business of the match for the company. And in the end, it benefits everyone, right? So people like Taya, Mia Yim, of course, was part of our family too. I would love for her to be able to really show who she is as her authentic self because she's really talented. And I'm curious about Ember Moon, of course. And now ROH has so many girls. I mean, I love Maria just as a leader as well in terms of the women's wrestling world. And because we have Mickey in our locker room now, and I just love that there's different types of girls in there that the girls can look up to just be able to lean on or go to for advice, because listen, in all realistic uh, situations, even though I'm a leader there, some girls may not feel comfortable to come to me for whatever reason it may be, whether they see me as too office you know, that's why we need the Madisons, the Mickeys, the Marias, and the people who are in that locker room that they can turn to if they don't feel comfortable with other people. With uh, things on the WWE side, I mean, everything that you've been able to accomplish in wrestling and your time in WWE, were you ever um, bummed out that you didn't get to be a part of the Evolution pay-per-view or even like, you know, with some of the all-women's Royal Rumble, some of those moments of being able to 
to see some uh, former familiar faces make their way back down to the ring. I would love to talk about this right now because I feel like people have a perception of, obviously I've been very vocal in the past in terms of my time in WWE. And that was all from a very honest place. And so I want people to understand now, okay, I still feel the same way in terms of the way I was treated, not how, okay, of course I wasn't happy with the way I was booked there. Cause I was there. I don't think I was there at the right time, to be honest. That must be a bit of a tough pill to swallow a bit, to be as talented as you are in the ring and feel like you didn't get to do that. Yeah. And I think I was there at the wrong times. Although I do think the second time I was there, they could have utilized me better. But now at this point in my life, you know, like I said, you know, you're younger and you think a certain way or you're very involved in that moment. I still am not happy with the way I was treated personally. In terms of booking and all that stuff, I can now say, I know I was there at the wrong time. I know maybe um, if those things didn't happen, I would never have left to go back to TNA Impact. And I would never have been able to have the awesome Kong stuff happen. But when I left WWE the second time, I came back and had those matches with Taryn, went on to now produce and have a great leadership role there. All those things wouldn't have happened if those things didn't happen at WWE. So I can see the good in that. I think I've cut emotionally in terms of you saying, do I wish I could have been part of those things? I kind of cut that part of my emotional system off. I don't even consider it a possibility in my mind. I never thought, okay, I don't think of being invited to anything because I've cut those ties and I'm okay with that. I did it back then. And I knew what I was doing back then when I left. I experienced that company twice. So I was very sure and I still am very sure, you know, I mean, it's not like leadership has changed there in terms of how they perceive me or whatever it is. But I know the things I did wrong back then. And I think I'm a pretty realistic person. And I can, like I said, look back in hindsight and know the things that I probably thought in a wrong way. But I also am very firm in the way that I felt in terms of certain things where I was treated. Yeah. What about in terms of of being vocal and being outspoken uh, about certain things? I mean, I've, I've seen like, you know, things on Twitter, if you want to jump on. I mean, how important is it for you to make sure that your voice is heard on certain issues and making sure that you're there to take a stance. Do you do that? I don't know. I'm assuming you are trying to protect a lot of other people by being the one to be vocal. I guess because a lot of people don't feel like they can be vocal. And my personality is very feisty. It is, I know. But I will say with age, I am becoming more, a little bit more grounded. I reel it back in a little bit. Uh, There are moments, but when you push me, then you're going to see Gail come out and like her claws are coming out. And it's funny because I'll get a lot of from people I personally know and maybe just fans. They'll say, I love that feisty side. I love that. Please speak up and keep on doing that. And of course, you can't please everyone. And we're in a world of cancel culture, too. So you got to be a little bit more careful. And I would say I take that into consideration a lot more now. And my husband, of course, has a lot of big companies he works with too. And I take that into consideration. I'm now office within impact. So I got to take that <laughs> into consideration. Sometimes it's easier to just like log off, yeah. never mind, yeah. forget it. There's nothing worse than like putting out a tweet and you like wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, shit, should I not have sent that? <laughs> I haven't had that moment in a long time, but of course we all have those moments. And um, yeah, I would say that's a, 
battle at times. And I do think it's important to, if you really believe in something and you feel strongly, it's okay to use your voice. And listen, I wouldn't have been able to achieve a lot if I didn't use my voice, even though that might be the part of me that people might find annoying, but it's also the part of me that people actually like and admire, I guess. What about uh, the show Kayfabe that you were working on with Lita and Christy Hemi? You mentioned them earlier, mentioned your relationship with those women. Tell me about Kayfabe. I know Lita had uh, filled me in before just like an off podcast conversation, but tell me about it. We had all these months of like working, actually not even months, actually years of working on it, to be honest. And we started that PR tour and we got through one city and then COVID just like hit. And we didn't know what COVID was back then. So we're like, what do we do? What do we do? Do we go to the signing? Do we know? We canceled the signing the day of, and then we had to cancel the whole tour. And then we're like, we're going to come back to you guys in a couple months. And COVID's been around for years. And at that time, we're just starting to take meetings. We took that one meeting. And then unfortunately, the scripted idea It's just very hard to happen now. So now we're still very bonded, the three of us. And it mainly is a project for women's wrestling, right? And so we've kind of now just gone in a different direction in terms of that. The concept of it, though, was that it was like scripted, but based off of stories that had maybe happened to other women in wrestling. Like what was like sort of like the general synopsis of what the show was supposed to be? Inspired. We should say inspired by true events. For legal reasons. Inspired. Yes, inspired by true events. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, women uh, or wrestling in general was always told through the lens of a man. It still is to this day. Always told through the lens of a man. Right. And so we wanted to do something different. Because women see things very differently in in wrestling. Fans loved it. They loved uh, Total Divas. And those were all reality shows, mind you. But they liked seeing another side of wrestling. And that's what we were trying to provide, you know, that entertainment through another lens. If you saw the sizzle reel, the production of it was very different. And we just wanted to modernize it and make it different. So we look at that whole experience as a huge, huge learning experience. And uh, yeah, we're going to move forward and nothing's ever going to stop. You know, we're all very passionate women. We're go-getters. And so we'll do it. I mean, it may not be kayfabe, that specific project that you saw, because over the years, things change. And with that, we have to change the concept or whatever it may be. Right. So we're still going to move forward. Um, Okay. Let's rewind things quite a bit here. What was it like for you growing up in Canada? Were you Toronto proper? Yes. Right. Toronto. Nice. I loved it. I loved it. I hate winter now and the traffic is unbearable now. <laughs> I loved every part of Toronto. I love that. I never experienced any type of racism growing up. It was just such this melting pot and I love sports and I played everything and I was a good student. And I remember when I got signed with WWE, JR had told me, he's like, okay, we need you to move to Louisville, Kentucky, because that's where OVW was. And I remember being so devastated because I had only lived in this one city my whole life. And now I couldn't even imagine staying in one spot. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Totally. And I was like, oh my God, I have to leave Toronto? I'm going to die. Like, I can't survive. (laughs) And I remember packing up my car, driving down to Louisville and feeling like this immense freedom. I don't know what it was. Um, Brand new start. I just loved it. Uh, I didn't love uh, living in Louisville because it's so different from Toronto right away. 
I can appreciate it now, but Toronto was just fun. When was the last time you got to go home? Christmas last year. Oh, that's nice. Damn, I'm so jealous. I've not been in too long now. I mean, I'm kind of within driving distance now. Got to get my baby a passport so I can take her across the border. Um, because she needs to know she's Canadian. Yes, she is exactly. a Canadian baby. One, yeah, get your toque on. Yes. Put on your roots yeah. toque. Yeah. 100%. What do you miss the most about Canada? I mean, my friends and family, most of all. And then, of course, just the food scene. And I just remember going back. This sounds really weird, but I went home for Christmas and we went to a supermarket. Just the supermarkets alone. I was like, wow, I didn't realize how great the supermarkets are here. And I'm taking videos for my husband. Was it like a Loblaws? Because Loblaws are the shit. Loblaws is my personal favorite. All of them. I mean, I went to Chinese, Asian markets. I went to Loblaws. I went to uh, Sobeys. I went to everywhere. And I'm like taking videos for my husband. Look at the vegetables. (laughs) Look how Uh, fresh and packaged they are. You know, I am a weirdo. He must have loved that. We do this weird thing. I mean, I'm sure other couples do it, but we do it when we're apart, which is probably half the time. We send pictures of everything we eat to each other. (laughs) I don't do that out of shame. I'm like, don't look at what I'm eating. (laughs) But you love to cook though, right? I do. Oh my God. I love to cook. What is the cooking situation in your house? I'm sure everyone asks you this all the time, but I am like genuinely curious of like, What is it like being married to a professional chef, restaurateur? He does it all. I'll say at home, it makes no difference. I cook. Okay. He doesn't, there's very rare times that he'll cook. It took him eight months to cook for me when we started dating. And that's only because I was like, when are you going to cook for me? Yes. Because we were both traveling all the time. I was with WWE at the time. So one WrestleMania in Phoenix he ended up renting a house so that we could have a kitchen so that we could cook. So that was nice. Um, and then there's been probably, I can count on two hands over 13 years. How many times he's cooked? You're getting ripped off, Gail. What? I'm not because the restaurant experiences, they balance them out, I will say. So you guys go out to eat more, more often than not? We eat out a lot. But I want to tell everyone a misconception because people are watching this because a lot of the times we'll be like, so we'll ask friends if they're from that city or locals. Hey, where do you like to go eat? And then they see Robert and they get all nervous and they're like, oh, my God, we've got to give him five star restaurant recommendations. And we're like, no, we just want good food, whatever it is. I have to tell the story on our honeymoon. The travel agent is a friend of ours who arranged everything. So she did all the Michelin star fancy. Where'd you guys go? Uh, we went to Greece. Did we go somewhere else? Greece? No. Yeah. We go to another city, Athens, Mykonos, and then Santorini. Oh my God. You have to go if you haven't been. It sounds amazing. Um, Looks amazing. So the first night we go to this fancy little place at this five-star place and there's four tables and little bitty food, you know, the fancy thing. And I said, can we cancel all the reservations and just go local? And he's like, yeah, okay. So we cancel all the reservations. And that was the worst meal we had. I mean, (laughs) everything else was amazing. Where would you say is of all of the places you guys have been, what are like your top three restaurant experiences? Definitely one that sticks out is one time we went to Hawaii. We went to Spago in Maui and he was trying to impress me back then. (laughs) 
So it's like the good old days. The good old days. Let's not um, uh, order from the menu. Let's ask the chef to do tasting menu. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. So we did the tasting menu, and that's basically where the chef comes out, makes what he wants, and does little little courses. But because we're in Maui, the fish was so fresh, and it was probably the best dining experience I've ever had. other places, I'm trying to remember. I mean, have been in locations like Santorini, just local places that just have, you know, Greece, obviously it's just no preservatives and just fresh, right? I mean, I died over eating an apple over there. Robert always tells a story about how we walked into the honeymoon suite and there was a basket of fruit. And I was like, wow. And I don't eat fruit that often. I was like, wow, that apple looks really good. And he's like, okay. And so I was like, I just have to eat it. And I took one bite and he, he's like, oh, you just had an orgasm. <laughs> that apple is the best apple I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. Does John cook at home? Oh my God. No. Oh, <laughs> okay. So yes and no, I shouldn't say no. So he has started cooking a little bit more. I think with like us having the baby and we're moving, like we just move, like there's so much going on in our house all the time that I just feel like I don't have time to cook anymore. So sometimes he's like, I've got it. I'll cook something. And I'm always just kind of like, what's he gonna bring me? Like the other day I went to just make like a tuna melt and I didn't have tuna. There was like salmon. I was like, it just tastes weird. I don't want it. He's like, I'm gonna make you something. I'm like, okay. He like made me toast, but- put on like he just doesn't know any better but there was like a, a a fruit preserve that was in the fridge but it was like meant for like a charcuterie tray so it would had like a spice to it it was like not actual jam I'm like I can't eat this <laughs> so there's some hits and misses hits and misses. he's gonna be so mad that he's gonna think that I'm burying his cooking I'm not but like he thinks outside the box though so sometimes he crushes it but sometimes I'm like what like I came downstairs, this was like years ago, but I came downstairs and he was like trying to cook mushrooms. He microwaved them in the oven. They just like shriveled up and like got like tough. I was like, these are not edible anymore. Okay, let's talk about what he's good <laughs> at though. <laughs> he really puts together a great dessert situation, especially when I was pregnant. When I was pregnant, I was like, I, I just got like fruit obsessed. I wanted grapes. I wanted raspberries. So I'd be like, can you just please grab me some grapes? But it, it's never just, here's the grapes. He would come back with like grapes covered in whipped cream, covered in sprinkles with like a little like mini Halloween candy sticking out of it. Like so above and beyond. I like that. (laughs) Great. I shouldn't be eating this, but you put in this hard work. So maybe I will eat it. So it hits and misses, but uh, the the miss or the, the, the hits are great. So he can keep those coming. More than what Robert does. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have big plans for the holidays? Is it nuts around your house? This is the first time that we're doing nothing. I don't think, I mean, who knows? We're very spontaneous. We don't have kids. I mean, well, I have my stepgirls, but they're grown adults. One's married, right? So we don't have kids at home. Basically, Robert and I are not holiday people. I met my perfect match because in every way, we like the same movies. He likes chick flicks. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Score. And we have never put up one decoration for any holiday in 13 years. And we're exactly the same way. We're like, do you want to do it? No. Okay. Okay. Great. So this year, because of COVID, and of course, we try to plan everything last minute because that's how we are. It just didn't work out. So we're like, okay, 
we'll probably plan something spontaneously with maybe friends in the area or I don't know. We'll see. Ooh, well, I'll be, uh, I'll be staying tuned to your like Instagram and your Twitter to see if you guys end up anywhere cool. See what happens. <laughs> well, Gail, thank you so much for taking the time. It was so nice to be able to like finally meet you and just like hang out and shoot the shit. I appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully in person with like all our mutual friends. I would Please. love that. That would be fantastic. I would love that. I love girl time. That's my favorite thing. Me too. It's the best. <laughs> I love when people come on here just like open and honest about like your situations, what they've been through and just having those uh, unguarded conversations. I appreciate that. The whole point of oral sessions, you know, having cool conversations. I cannot believe that I got through the intro and perhaps the outro without. Oh, there she is. I was going to say without the baby making a sound and there she is right on cue. All right, guys, you know what to do. Follow on all the socials at Renee Paquette at the volume sports, but check out the YouTube stuff because all of these videos are up there. I, you know, do people listen to outros of podcasts? I don't, I for sure don't, but I feel the need to do one because I feel like you got to put a button on the podcast, but nobody's listening to this. If you are still listening, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search for Nate Paquette. All of the oral session stuff is up there. Um, we keep constantly adding new stuff on there. So yeah, subscribe. Make sure to check it all out because there's definitely good stuff on there that I think your eyes are going to like. Until next time, this has been The Sessions. Sessions.